Welcome everybody. So today we have the awesome, amazing, brilliant, talented, that can come up with some more oh adjectives, Melissa, uh, with us. Can I say your last name? Blush. Of course. Melissa Adamchick. Of, do you say chick or check? We say chick. That's the Kentucky pronunciation. Okay. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's Slavic. Awesome. So it should have been more like chick. Gotcha. And, and it's gone from chick to check. All right. Yeah. I figure, I mean, I've always said chick. Sounds what was I do, what you, I do both. What you put the other day that was made me laugh so hard. Oh, the, Madam Chick. Madam Chick. Madam Chick is yes. my email. My entire M. career. Madam Chick. And so sometimes people realize that. <laughs> when you pointed it out, I was like, oh my god, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was like, um, so I didn't realize I knew the Madam Chick. <laughs> And I was like, yes, you do. Yes. The madam of all the, chicks. That's right. The madam chick. That's right. The head chick. I think it's awesome. I, it's I great, love it. It's a great nickname. It is. Yes. It is. It's wonderful. All right. So Melissa's here with us today to talk about trauma-informed care mm -hmm. and her agency, the Tri-State Trauma Network and mission. Um, so yeah. So what is trauma-informed care? Okay, so um, trauma-informed care um, is actually a multifaceted sort of animal. Um, sure. Sorry. Okay, so um, do you want me to talk about Tri-State Trauma Network first? Because that might be a good well, lead-in sure. to Absolutely. what is trauma-informed care. Absolutely. Um, so um, I have the good fortune of having been chosen as the first executive director of the Tri-State Trauma Network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It was very exciting for I me. I was excited for you. <laughs> I was like, that is really cool. I know. I was like, I'm going to put my name in the hat there and interview and then um, went through a couple of interviews and including one of a large group of advisory board people. Um, and uh, it was incredibly excited to have been chosen um, and I got the call when I was in Disney World. <laughs> That's even cooler. <laughs> How magical is that? Right, no kidding. We That's like, like the angels. Oh. We were like the Winnie the Pooh breakfast. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I got the call. So it was great. Um, and so... And you've been doing this role for... So I started May 19th of 2015. So it'll okay. be three years in May. Awesome. Um, and uh, you know, definitely felt like I was preparing my whole kind of career for this role, um, and the stars aligned, and 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 there it was. So, the Tri-State Trauma Network was developed because um, the mental health agencies, primarily in in the area of Greater Cincinnati, um, kept saying, you know what, we keep hearing more about more about trauma. Um, there's a lot more research out about it. There's a lot more like, neuroscience had developed to mm -hmm. the point where we were finding things out about the brain that helped trauma and the behaviors around trauma make more sense to people. Um, it, me having worked as a therapist since about 1997, 98, um, when I first started, you know, going to some of these kind of advanced trainings on trauma or more enlightened trainings on trauma. I was like, yes, <laughs> like this makes so much sense for right. everything I've been seeing with, you know, clients my entire career. And thank God somebody 
like made it scientific. Right, <laughs> right. Um, because the study of behavior is difficult to quantify. Yeah. Um, and so that it has it has reached that point um, in the last probably I don't know five or so years to where it was like oh trauma is a big deal. Right. Um, and we need to pay attention to this, and we need to study it better. We need to understand so that we can better treat it. Um, we also needed to understand so that we could better diagnose what we were seeing. And some people, you know, every once in a while I think, well, diagnosis can be a dirty word, but the true reason for diagnosing is to help inform treatment. And so if you look at it that way, um, the diagnosis is the understanding of the constellation of symptoms and presentations. Right. Um, and, and that helps you to say, okay, here's what I'm looking at. And it looks like that it has developed into this disorder or this couple few of disorders because as we know, you know, people aren't often diagnosed with one thing. Right. Right, because there's different things that go on. Well, it's very multifaceted, especially if trauma's in involved. Yeah, so there's the mental thing, the yes. pieces, and the brain pieces, and then there's the body pieces and the sure. physical pieces. Sure. And so, you know, um, you know, as a mental health clinician, we were always trained to what are the behavioral presentations, but what are the body symptoms too? Mm -hmm. sure. um, because when you're looking at a diagnosis like post-traumatic stress disorder, you're acknowledging that there are physical things happening too, like the physical things that create things like hypervigilance and, um, you know, um, just that the panic attack in and of itself. Mm -hmm. It's hugely physical. This is not something that is created in only part of your brain. Right. This is this goes from the brain to the body, back to the brain, back to the body, and it's it, it speaks back and forth. Yes. And that's what uh, sort of leads to that, the idea of it being an attack. Yes. Um, because it just takes over. And then, it, and then, once that happens, the habitual patterns start and yes. the avoidance behaviors. Right. And so that's almost, yes, yes, you know, I would say I have panic attacks, but I added on top of that these habitual patterns and these, mm -hmm. this avoidance behavior that right. I was, and then the particip participatory anxiety that I would yes. experience knowing, yes. oh, a bridge is coming up, or, right, right. oh, we're yes. going to be getting on right. a highway. I'm, I'm now anticipating that yes. this horrible experience is going to happen. Anticipatory, that's it. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm, yeah, and so I'm going to try to then avoid that pain, yes. <laughs> that fear. It's really, it's just like fear. It's just a giant fear response yes. that your body was designed to do. Right. Um, for the tiger in the bushes. For the tiger in the bushes, right. the bear in the woods, right. the mountain lion, you know, whatever it might be, like, this is why we have this. Right. Um, and so, when our bodies decide to go there, they're not betraying us. No. They're telling us. Danger, danger. Danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Right. So, we need to be like, ooh, that's a problem. I better do something about that. Yes. And my body's going to help me with that. And right. my brain's going to help me with that because it's going to kick off a series of responses that ensure that I don't end up dead on the ground. Right. And that's the whole... Right, by the proverbial tiger. By the proverbial tiger, Right, yeah. right. That is oh so real oh, yes. to those who are experiencing mm -hmm. um, right. pan a panic, panic. attack. Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. It's like there, there may as well be a tiger right there. Absolutely. 
Yes. Because that's how it feels. Yes. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, people would even characterize um, things like, you know, an abusive uh, parent as like the bear coming home from work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or the snake in the grass. You know, you get all these analogies because that's what it felt like and that's what it meant. Right. You know, to people was I'm acting as if, no, that's not the garden hose that I've come across. It's a sh- giant snake. Right. That's going to attack me. Right. And so this is why we do have these also these sort of trigger responses, which are like, oh, that reminds me of this trauma or sure. this horrible experience. Yes. That looks like that. That smells like that. That feels like that. And so, for example, you could have a. Uh, I had a, a consumer client that I worked with, and and it was the smell of hot chocolate. The smell of hot chocolate, which most of us think of as a soothing smell. Like, sure. I love chocolate. I love hot drinks. Well, it's just like you come in from sledding and you right. get to, you know happy memories right. and right. Ha- yes. So right. you're talking about right. I have a happy memory attached to hot chocolate. Well, he had a very horrible, unhappy painful memory attached to hot chocolate because one of his abusers liked to drink hot chocolate. And so hot chocolate was in the environment, it was on the desk, it was on the table, it was wherever when this was going down. Wow. And so that was one of them. Yeah. And that was just one of them. And I I won't get into all the ones for this particular person, but that's an example. So anyway, you know, you... So you've got this trauma, and, and people are really, they have a hard time with it. It's so, so uh, painful, and, and becomes uh, where it takes over your life, and mm-hmm. your, your functioning, and your ability to function, mm-hmm. um, and whether or not you approach, or avoid, or, or whether you flee, or fight, or freeze, um, like that becomes part of your behavioral pattern yes. around whatever this fear, uh, original fear response was right. too, right? right? So as mental health clinicians and, and people running the social service agencies, mostly the mental health agencies in our region, um, they were all saying, oh my gosh, so people are doing this work, they're doing this research, they're now training people on these techniques that are better than what we've learned. Right. And we want this, and we want to have this right here in Cincinnati. and so. How do we get this? Well, we need some money because uh, good uh, approaches and techniques aren't cheap. If I came up with a million dollar approach, like I wouldn't charge for it because this is how I feel about people overcharging right, right. for techniques that heal people. Right. Like, I mean, give me enough to pay my salary, but I don't need a house in the Hamptons, okay? Right. So, but for whatever reason, sometimes people come up with techniques and they decide it's going to cost $8,000 a person to teach that. Right. Oh, that hurt that clinician. Yes. How to use that technique that's, yes. that's life-saving and life-giving. And li- yeah, life-altering. <laughs> and life-altering. Which is altering. true. Yes. Right. What those of us who experience it are just, we're, we're, we just... Some give us something, right? Right. And so I don't want, and and I won't get off on this tangent, but I also don't want the insurance company to tell me no. Right. If I need this, or if I if I need this for me, or for somebody in my family, or if I want this for one of my clients, I don't want somebody to say no. That's too much. 
Yes. Are you kidding me? Right. That's too much. So and and so you're placing a value or or you're allowed to judge what's too much to help somebody heal. Right. And that's not okay in my book. So, um people went and asked some funders, would you mind? We have a plan, we know what we need for our staff, um, mostly our clinicians, but uh, there's also some other things coming around about trauma-informed care as a full approach as a system or as an agency, I'll get a little bit more into that. But it started with, wow, we need some clinicians who are better trained to do this, because they're, they're the people yeah. that were considered the ones who would be doing this work of healing, right? Okay. Um, and so that was, you know, and then one of the funders, um, uh, Interact for Health, said, well, okay, we've got multiple requests of the same exact nature for this RFP that we've put out. And so obviously, this is a huge need in our region. Right. And so here's what we're going to do for you guys. We're going to make you work together. We're going to make you develop a plan after you do some focus groups and needs assessment, research about what the needs and gaps are in our region. And then when you do this work for us, which we'll give you some money to do, right? Because every, you know, we, we understand this is going to take some time and some effort, and we want to make sure that you have the ability to do this for our region, for our community. And so we'll give you some money for a planning phase and planning right. grant. And then what you'll do is, is at the end of this, you'll produce a business plan for what you think needs to happen okay. to help our community. Um, and so out of that came the business plan for what's now known as the Tri-State Trauma Network, Very right? Cool. So yeah. it's pretty exciting. That is exciting. And I remember like getting emails about the focus groups, and at one point it was going to be the, the Tri-State Trauma Institute, but then through the research and, and studying of it, it was like, but no, it's not an institute. It's, it's not just an institute of learning. It's a whole system. Right. So it's... Well, and how many agencies come together? Right. And so, like... That's, I, that's a network. There were so many agencies that yes. were participated in this research, and I won't... I, I want to say it was around 60. So that's like, fantastic. All the, big, all the big players, right? Right. Yeah. All the big players. Um, you know, Greater Cincinnati Behavioral Health Services, and and Child Focus, and Family Nurturing Center, and Central Clinic, and you know, Catholic Charities on both sides of the river. Right. And, and you know, and uh, we have tons of member agencies, so I'm, I'm, I can't possibly list them, right. say them all Name right them now. All. But you right. can find them on our website, right. on our members page. What is your, what is your web, what it's, www.tristatetraumanetwork.org. Okay, Don't org. put a hyphen in there. There's okay. no hyphen in our just name. It's a very long Tri-State really Trauma long. Network. That's All right, why I have cool. the longest email ever. I, just because it popped into my head, what um, are other cities, areas doing similar things, or are you guys kind of, I mean... No, like, so across the country, Yes. Um, uh, this is a movement, right? Okay. Um, and so what I found in, you know, in me studying more about uh, and understanding more about what is trauma-informed care, because that was a newer term, even though I had done work right. in mental health field for years, um, that was a newer term. So, no, you, you, you come to find out that there's uh, several communities, um, whether it's a regional approach, whether it's a state, full state okay. approach, 
that are doing this work. And so um, there have also been some su supportive agencies out there that have been around for a long time, like the National Council for Behavioral Health, who has done a supporting work and consulting for different communities across the nation to, okay. to do this. And so they are one of our partners, actually, in um, one of our bigger programs, which is the Trauma-Informed Care Learning Community. And so we partner with them to provide a 12-month um, training, guidance, consultation process where the agency commits to um, one, creating a core implementation team for this work, and two, um, doing certain steps throughout this 12-month okay. process that start with things like organizational self-assessment around the domains of trauma-informed care, um, and then developing, okay, here's where we're at, what is our plan, what do we want to tackle over these next 12 months out of these seven domains, Usually people pick two or three, some people pick more, some people pick all seven. And so what, what would be, give an example, what are the domains? So, um, hopefully I'm going to remember these right now, okay. but I'll at least at least a few. I can. Yeah, just right. throw a few out. So, right, so it starts with um, proper assessment and screening for okay. trauma. So, how do we uh, figure out what okay. people are, what how many people are that are coming to us are bringing, you know, trauma uh, so like to the doing door. doing like an ACE, ACE score so people, or... that's one way to do it okay. um, people use different types of assessments um, but those types of so like the ACEs is a screening right and then so the ACEs is a screening and then there are like when we have assessments which are a little more you know dig in validated okay you know right. uh, comes up with a with a different type of score okay. that has okay. a different meaning based on what the norms and so forth are. Gotcha. That's the ACEs screening developed out of um, physical health okay. from Vincent Folletti, um, and uh, and that's adverse childhood the experiences. adverse child experiences. So it was Vincent Folletti, and then who's the other guy? Why can't I think of his name? Right now? So the physician um, yes. who uh, was seeing. Uh, patients that were like, um, uh, oh, Kaiser Permanente, yes. um, in that hospital system, um, and was seeing these patients and realizing that they were having, you know, later in life, these just like really stubborn medical problems. And then, and, and they couldn't just be explained with, right. with the physical health piece. And, you know, it was things like, why no matter what we do, we can't get you out of this state of obesity. What's going on here? Right. Well, when you begin to ask those questions and you open yourself up to listening versus, well, I'm just going to do a 15-minute checkup and send you out the door with whatever, right. then this is when you find out that the reason why somebody might not be able to, to uh, move past obesity, no matter how many tools they're given, is because it was related to an early trauma like sexual abuse right um, and then when you add multiple traumas right that's when they were seeing you know a right. four or more four or more exposure instance. to four or more it was just astronomical yes. Yes. I mean the numbers just jumped so crazy right it was um, exponential it yes. wasn't just like one yes. like two's a little worse than one no two's twice as worse as one or you know right. four is like you know oh my gosh you have such increased risk for heart disease lung yes. disease cancer 
um, you know, a whole slew of right and and social. And right. they started to pull in not just the physical ailments, but right. then and realizing then, then, that there were social yes, um, you know, social anxiety disorders, social anxiety disorder, right. depression, increased suicide, yes, um, increased risk of teen pregnancy, increased risk of developing STDs because of promiscuous sexual yes. behavior. And so yes, so right, good point. Then you know, it, they quickly learned that it, we weren't just talking about the physical realm here. Right, right. And so um, when you look at the ACEs data, and you can actually find that by going to the Center for Disease Control website, but we also have a link on our resources page. Oh, good. That's good to know, because it's all part of my book. Oh, good. I, I go yeah. in the ACEs, that part Perfect. of it. Um, no, you can get that ACEs study. You can oh. get a video on the ACEs oh, that Vince awesome. Valetti is talking in oh. for 15 minutes or 14 minutes. Right off my own. Yes. And there's also a wonderful TED talk from, from Nadine Very cool. um, Burke Harris, who has been like sort of leading this uh, okay. greater movement amongst physicians um, in more of a present day sense. Because the, the interesting thing about um, Valetti's work is that it's not new. <laughs> it's not new. It was about, uh, it was 10 plus years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I um, have that. And interestingly enough, numbers. when it first came out, it didn't get spread throughout the medical community because people were like, that can't be right. Right, <laughs> right. They said, well, what? No, 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 Let's, you're going to need to study that a little more. Right. Oh, but we did it with 17,000 people. Yes. We looked at 17,000 health records. But yeah, but, but we're not we're not sure, we're not comfortable with that. Like, that, I'm not sure that that's right. 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 So it kind of stayed underground a little bit. And then what happened was the neuroscience happened. And then... And when you're talking neuroscience, are you talking like the studies on brain plasticity? This, and, and, and brain... And, and brain activity. The brain activity, okay. Um, and so, like when Lisa Ferenc put up the, uh, you know, at the at the conference, and she had the brain images. Right, and, and then it the showed lit up parts. Yeah, and the different and lit, lit up parts. Yes, okay. so the dark and the light, okay. and the different colored parts, and the PET scan, and the, you yes. know, those kind of things, and like we um, we can actually watch what happens in the brain, what parts light up where when there's a fear response. Or when there's a calming response right and so this has informed us around things like meditation and relaxation and breath work and mindfulness yoga and, and mindfulness right, and, right. And, and saying well my goodness it wasn't just a bunch of hippies talking about this <laughs> stuff <laughs> right <laughs> they were on to something they didn't make that up that's crazy talk they were on to something <laughs> they weren't just playing in the fields right right and right. Like having a good time out in nature and breathing the air, the, oh, it made them feel good, too. Right. Like it worked. It worked. <laughs> so, which is, I love, there's this whole, like, let's get back to nature and let's get our kids outside. Let's get ourselves outside more. Right. Because, oh, my gosh, the natural environment is pretty darn healing. Yes. <laughs> I talk about that. Nature. Like, nature, nature is so amazingly so, healing. It is. And then, and then also nature does this thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to bring you away from all the electronics and craziness, like traffic and yes. road rage. Right. And people just overwhelming your senses with noises and lights right and then it's like oh look look here look here oh, then the, guess what the sounds that you hear mm -hmm. here 
or birds singing and water trickling. Right. And and leaves rustling. And how funny that when you go to like nature, it's all that. It's that it's that water trickling and the birds singing and the waves crashing right. and the right. And this is the stuff that that we, that, that we pay to. Right. Oh, and then fifty years ago, we were like, oh, the baby will sleep better if they hear nature sounds. Right. 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 Oh, guess what? That's good for adults too. Yeah. So, right, so here we are coming back to nature yes. and coming back to um, what are the things that can heal us um, as, as human beings when we've experienced these awful things in life that, like I said, you know, when we did uh, your, your, the opening for the conference, yes. I watched my little snippet of that. Right. Know, and I was like, oh gosh, I sound so smart. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are. <laughs> but it is cool when you like hear yourself and you're like, oh my gosh. And I kept saying, you've got this. And then, and then I get up there and I'm like, oh my God, you're so calm and you made sense. <laughs> so, so one of the messages was, these things happen to us in life through no fault of our own. And so this idea that we somehow need to feel shameful right. that we've had a trauma um, or that we've had some experiences that have overwhelmed our minds and bodies and we've had to seek help. Yes. And that's sort of the, the like, you know, the, the sort of the elephant in the room is that, um, is that, you know, people uh, doing this work are not immune from trauma. <laughs> And we're not like, oh, it's all, it's them coming to us, and, the, and they're the ones, the consumers, right. need us to help them. Well, guess what? We also needed this same help ourselves. Yes. And if we didn't get it, chances are we're not as good of a therapist as we could be. And so um, one of the messages I want to put out there, which is a huge part of trauma-informed care, is that um, you need to recognize within yourself, what you've been through, and how that affected you, to help you better Because do that I could not else. agree with that more, because if you can tap into that and, and make peace with it, you become so empath, like so, you can right. empathize, right. and you can connect, yes. I mean seriously, on a soul level with people right. while helping them Yes. guide them through yes. along their own healing right. journey. And so the person-centered therapy that grew out of like Carl Rogers, this is all about like you meet people where they are and it, you know you're on a journey together and and my training is I'm not better than you. Right. In fact I probably only know a little more because of my education. But your life experience mm -hmm. is going to help heal you. Yes. And I'm going to combine it with my understanding of the brain and the body and the training that I've been right. through. But also my understanding of what it's like to also be on a journey of healing and having been through some things myself that I and, knew and your I history of other for. clients and, right, and knowing right. all of what works and what doesn't right. and what's right. you know an offering yes yeah, so, so the best training 
and which is why I'm really glad I never went back and got my doctorate because it really would have been like forty more thousand dollars right. unnecessary expenses, right? Because I'm still going to do. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take me to pay off the loan that I have right. for the masters. Right. Um, is that great? I did some good schooling that gave me a nice foundation, but I didn't walk out with my master's degree into. Oh, you're such a good therapist. No, no, I did not. Um, you learn to be a good therapist because of what clients teach you. And you learn to be a good therapist because you decide that you are going to allow them to teach you. Yes. And because you are like, oh my gosh, we're here and we're looking at each other and we're talking about things and I, I see and I, and I feel your pain. And Again, it, that empathy. Yes. Being able to connect. Right. To, right. 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 And we lose that when we do things like, well, I'm going to put this desk between us. Uh-huh. Or I'm going to put this computer between us so that I can take notes. No. no. Or not connect to our own history and right. our own or, trauma. Right. Or I'm going to pretend like I am not anywhere near or have never been near that place where you are at. Right. No. Right. That's the biggest lie we've ever told ourselves right. as therapists if we do say that, okay? Because what I experienced myself for different things that happened in my life and with my family and with my friends and with, and with the clients that I came to understand better, like, what humans were about from. Right. That's where I bring my best skills right. into and the therapy room. isn't that, room. like... The foundation of trauma-informed care. It is. Thank you for naming that because yes. it is. It is. It's trauma-informed care and SAMHSA, you know, the, the uh, Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration gave us, you know, some, the four R's around trauma-informed care, um, which is recognizing, I'm sorry, realizing is the first one, realizing that this trauma thing exists. Okay. Right? Realizing that this is, a, this is out there. And it's pretty widespread okay. because the ACEs mm -hmm. studies and then some other things have, have said, oh, so it's not just like this 10% of the population that's had some sort of thing that qualifies as trauma. It's actually, <laughs> you know, the ACEs studies showed us that it was, it was like over 60%. Yes. And then what I have come to know um, in just learning about... Uh, trauma and being around people and, and actually moving my awareness and my work outside of a therapy office has helped me to understand that I won't come across somebody in life in a situation and and they'll let me know as soon as they find out what I do their trauma like a piece of their trauma story mm -hmm. and so it's you know uh, and it's not, and I say it's not because I'm just this magnet for trauma. Like it, it's because people know what that means, right? And so, in I think in my last newsletter, I said uh, it's it's sixty percent. Well, that's an underestimate. I'm going to go with ninety percent. I'm yes. going to say ninety percent right. of the population. Well, especially now because we're starting to realize that even exposure to trauma. Yes. So when mm -hmm. the children who were or people who were children at the time 9-11 mm. happened. 
that just seeing those images of the planes hitting the Twin Towers, that that had a traumatic, yes. a trauma effect on some of them. Yes. And so again, mm -hmm. as, as we have these mass shootings, as we have oh more and more, and so being right. exposed and, and to these things. And get people out from in front of the screen on that one, please. Right. Right. Well, I don't. I mean, you know, you, well, you and I, I talk. Right. I, I have to scroll past it on Facebook. I can't. I I, I can't wanna, allow myself to be exposed to it. And I can't either. And it's then a it, trigger. It, and well, there are things for me where I'm like, that's some serious misery. And yeah. if I'm going to see that because of the way that I interpret things that, that I see, um, and it's not just me being a therapist, it's also we're all set up for with these things called mirror neurons mm -hmm. to where we watch something go down and our mirror neurons say, ooh, I feel like that's happening to me. Yes. And so you'll get that guttural reaction when you watch the Twin Towers go down and when you watch the the news footage of people like ducking and you scurrying, know, scurrying and, and, right, and, right. and the gunshot noises and everything. And you're like, oh God, awful. You know, that's, right. that feels horrible. And so then you're like, well, shoot, I can't. I don't want to see that. Right? Because who wants to be in that scenario. Right. And so when you're watching it, it's, you know, you're right there. You're right there. You, it mm -hmm. won't, it probably won't be as strong as if you're actually in there, right? Right. But, but you're still getting it. You're still getting sure. it. And your body's still going, yikes. Sure. That's danger right there. That's some danger. I'm going to feel a little bit fearful and things like my stomach's upset all of a sudden because I watched too much of that violence. Yes. Right. Right? right, and I'm the person who would be like, I, I'm walking out of a violent movie because it's too much for me. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. yeah, all the time. Yeah, my husband's like, well, I can't take you to see this stuff. And I'm like, well, then don't invite me. Just don't invite me. <laughs> take another date. <laughs> like, we've been married 20 years. Just don't invite me. <laughs> you know this about. <laughs> right. So anyway, so it's the recognition. Yes. Okay. Uh, or the realizing it's there, realize, and then okay. realize. I'm sorry, I got this right. confused on it. It's right. realizing it's there, and then it's the recognition and of the symptoms. And then recognition. So that's number two R. Yes, realize, recognize, respond. So here's where we're where we're like, okay, so uh, what we've talked about in this world of trauma informed care is is now that you know you're informed, and then you can be trauma responsive. So you're you're moving from like I'm trauma informed. I get it. I realize it's there. And I can I can recognize it, but then am I taking this to the next level and responding in ah, an appropriate fashion? Not just oh, okay, sorry that happened to you. Like yeah. right, and so and and there and not everybody has to be there with the trauma responsive. Okay, because if you're not in this line of work, you don't have to right. learn all the trauma responsive techniques, but you do have to learn some trauma responsiveness if you're in a school building. Okay. Because those children are bringing you their, their pain. Absolutely. Um, they're bringing you their trauma. They're bringing you their toxic stress. They're bringing you whatever happened at home that night, or the night before, that morning, right. or for the last six years. Right. So we're teaching teachers to be a little more trauma sensitive, um, but I also feel like trauma responsive is, is, is the right term for that too, um, because I we want them to appropriately respond yes. to the trauma the children bring them. Okay. So we've moved our work uh, beyond social service agency, mental health agency type places into schools more recently and it's, it's been I'm good. I was going to ask it's been how, very good. because I, I know just from talking to teacher friends 
and being in the schools when I was with Child Focus, you know, oh my goodness gracious, you know, some of them would just be like, I have this kid, and I know this kid is really hurting, oh, yeah. really yeah. suffering, and in not, and just feeling and lost, and what do I do? Yes. Very, yes. What do I do? And I, so I think trauma-informed care in educating educators mm -hmm. is huge. Right, and huge. so and what the educators want is like, okay, now you gave us that training about what trauma is, and we want we want the techniques now. So, okay. so they're, they're so that's the response. That's the responsive. Okay. And so that's why we said well, we're going to start including them in our trauma informed care learning community. So we have like an Very entire cool. uh, educational services center um, in uh, Montgomery County participating this year. Very and cool. then we have um, Western Hills High School, at, which is a part of Cincinnati Public Schools, yes. um, participating as one of the as uh, one of the, t the agency teams, I guess. The, the interesting piece about that uh, setup is that that's a collaborative team um, that on their core implementation team for Western Hills, it's it's Western Hills school staff okay, plus supportive partners. Lighthouse Youth Services has been providing services in their building for okay. years. They're on the team. That's fantastic. Um, MindPeace, who does the, the um, structure and networking of school-based mental health services okay. for a lot of our Cincinnati public schools and they're sort of branching out a little bit too. But MindPeace is definitely one to look up if you're looking for that type of information and what they're yes. doing. They create um, the right type of relationship between a mental health agency and a school. Okay. And so they've got some really good things um, that they're doing in their work. So MindPeace is a part of that. Um, and then uh, Joining Forces for Children, which is an initiative out of the Mayerson Center at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And so they've got people on the team. And then I, you know, have gone to some of the steering committee uh, meetings. And of course, you know, as the, the you know, the executive director of the Tri-State Trauma Network, my role is to be the local facilitator of that learning community. And so there are things that the National Council for Behavioral Health provides in terms of consultation and training, but they're off-site they're national right. and they come in you know for four days out of the year and then the rest of the time they're doing like phone call consultation kind of stuff and then but you know what I do is more connecting people at the local level and then providing some additional in-person time for the teams to get together and collaborate because the power of the learning community is that it's a community right yes um, you could get this service on your own your agency could pay the National Council to do this just for your agency and you do it right but would you be connected to the other people in your world right. who are doing it right next to you right and would you have the opportunity to collaborate with them on some projects in the community that you share right <laughs> and gosh I mean just collaborating alone because you can say oh, I had no idea about that resource yes. or I have no idea about this you know, viewpoint or right. whatever it is. And so I just think it's beautiful. I mean, I love watching, um, I think you would put something out, maybe on, maybe on Facebook, and it was um, on the Tri-State Trauma Network page, and it was people coming up to the microphone and giving almost like a, a testimonial oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of About how it, the, impact yes, the impact of the, of the agency and in, mm -hmm. in, in this community you've created. Yes. Um, oh on gosh, them. And it's so just great. so cool to yeah. hear 
Yeah, that's the on impact. our website all the time. So it'll be buried on Facebook, but on our website okay. all the time on the events page if people want to look that up. If you scroll down to the 2016-2017 the Learning Community Agencies Graduate, there's okay. a, um, we, we had a video clip put together from the, from the summit that was held at the, the, that was sort of the, uh, the end point or graduation of 15 agencies okay. back in June. Um, and so it was like June 7th or 8th, 2017, and, and you know, sort of the highlights. Um, and so the people, we had somebody come and take, you know, hours of right. video. Um, and, the, you know, the, they were uh, um, realism video. Um, and they were great, and, and they tried to, to really help me by pulling out some pieces that they thought sounded impactful to like the general you know yeah, person sure. um, and some of those were good but then I was like but I remember some things that people said that I want to be part of this team and so it went from like here's a, here you could do like a three to five minute here's like three and a half minutes and I was like yeah but and then like, let me go back through all that because <laughs> I know there's some other pieces yes. and I didn't go through all the hours but I knew there were pieces around what different people said because right. I knew my people like I knew my leaders Right. Because I've spent all year with them. And then I knew from being at the summit sure. itself that I was like taking notes going, Oh my god, that was great. That was total yes. diamond right there. That yes. snippet of information and you know. So we uh <laughs> went back through it. Um and my assistant also helped me with it. She was great. Um and and, the, and now the video is like six and a half minutes. So, you know But it, six and a half minutes are very Powerful. Right. I mean, yeah, very profound. Well, and, and I think it needed to be because you yes. needed enough of an explanation. Right. Um, and so the other piece in there is even some some snippets around the data around people's progress. Yeah. So you know, here we were going into this for the first time, and I had researched lots of different um, you know entities that were out there helping agencies become more trauma informed, and I actually did my homework and I selected the National Council and then brought that information to my board and they, you know, agreed. I had a trauma-informed system of care committee that first looked at it. Right. Like, oh, no, this, I think this is, this, I think this is the best time to do. I, I agree with There's what you're results. saying. Hey, Max. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's take it, you know, and present it to the whole board. And so, right. had, you know, we, we all made this informed decision around this. Um, and so, uh, now I'm going to, like, lost my... Sorry my way but so we made a decision around this um and then oh and so i was like i think this is going to be great and the national council had like well, we've done this with like over 200 agencies across the country i'm like well this has got to be some good stuff here and so i'm thinking you know well, I'm, I'm, people are going to improve i'm sure on these you know right um domains oh, that's so funny because when you asked about domains, they like crazy we started about right? screen and assessment i think i only mentioned one domain now we have to get the fourth r in too <laughs> I know. What, what's the fourth r the fourth r is resisting re-traumatization okay okay all right hugely important yes and i already talked a little bit about triggering and right that kind of stuff and i'll right. get back to that too but so I'm thinking, okay, well, people are going to pick a couple of domains, and they're just, they're going to improve, I'm sure, on the ones they picked. Right. And so I was like, you know, everybody's going to improve on at least one domain, because they're going to choose at least sure. one. Sure, sure. And maybe they'll choose a couple, and they'll, and they'll struggle a little bit, and they won't actually show up in the data that they improved. Sure. And then we get the results, and it was the best day. 
Because I remember it was, I the was, best what, like, it was for like, me. amazing. And I was like, these are coming back one at a time, okay? So the agencies have their staff do it, and it goes into the survey monkey, and the National Council sure. gets back the graphs yeah. and the pre and post, and I'm getting this stuff. And so they're sending it to the team leader, copying me, copying the coach from the National Council. And I'm going, opening this up, going, whoa, wow. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, sending them an email back and going, you guys rocked it. Like, look at what you did here. You picked two domains and you improved on all seven. Right. So the, the data is that every single agency improved on five or more domains, no matter how many they chose. That is amazing. I know. And I so, mean, amazing. <laughs> but it reminds us of the, of the trickle effect of this work, which is you choose to focus on being trauma-informed around domain one, which is screening and assessment, but then also around domain two, which is consumer-driven care, but then also around domain three, which is um, educated workforce, and then there's best practices, and then there's safe and secure environments, which is one of my favorites. Yes. Um, and then there's the perform ongoing performance and improvement, which you know we have to add on that piece of, yes, we see we're doing good stuff, but let's track it so that people okay. know and they right. get it. Right. And that's seven. And so what I'm forgetting right now is number six. It'll um, come to. Community partnerships. Yes. Yay, you got them. Community partnerships. And so the thing is that somebody could have chosen number, let's say they chose number two and number three, which is consumer um, driven care sort of pieces, like let's get the consumers more involved because right. this, going back to what we talked about with the therapy type thing, like the consumer is a partner in this. Sure. And, and so we need to, they need to have a voice and they need to be empowered and they need to be felt um, and treated, they need to feel and you, you know, you, you need to feel and they need to feel like they're a valuable partner in the process. Right. Because we miss something when we decide that they don't know what they need. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Right. <laughs> right. Here, sign this treatment plan that somebody derived, you know, totally derived for you um, out of a book. Yeah. No. No, thank you. <laughs> well, and again, I mean, my, I'm all about empowerment. And so, yeah, did I have a therapist and did I, we, we did great things together, but outside of that therapy, I was also researching the shit out of stuff. Well, that's and that's being a good uh, consumer or, or client of right. services, or just being a good and bringing in the tapping person. And bring your EFT just being a big, being, right. a, being, being a person who is who is supporting their own healing work and yes. saying, you know what, yes. it's not just that person who's going to help me. I'm going to help me. Yes, and I'm going to use all these resources at my disposal right. to help me. Because and you and I have talked about this before, therapy. Is potentially one hour a week if you're if if you're lucky, right, right. Because the way things work out and life and everything and, and, and the clients that I get to see for one hour a week, or how much your insurance is covering and right. if you can afford right. it, can you get here? Can, and can I do the co-pays? Can I the time that you need right. to be here? And exactly. so the weekly appointment was kind of the most, right? Yeah, right. Um, that most people were going to get in outpatient. Like right. of course that doesn't speak to like you know the intensive outpatient therapy. Um, that's more reserved for like the substance abuse right. comorbidity. And mine became, programs. what if I'm having a panic attack? I can't, and I, I can't call my therapist. Right. And you know, like, hey, you got to get me through this. It's two a.m. But that, but people would do that. Right. Because we and we would be available for that as therapists because that's why you have the crisis line. Right. And why right. you have cell phones that you can answer yes. in the middle of the night. Um, and 
and you don't have to do that for people forever is, is really the deal. Yeah. Um, once you, the cool thing about therapy and somebody, you know, I don't remember where I read this or heard this is, is that as the therapist, you, you begin to be, uh, another, uh, sort of voice in that person's head. Yes. So like, you know, oh, people sure. talk to themselves. Yeah. We all do it right. And then, you know, and then you also hear things from other people in your life. Sure. You're like, oh, well, my mom would say this. Yes. And my dad would do this. Yes. And, my and best, I and would my hear my therapist friend. would be like. And right. And I, then, and then yeah. all in there after a while. Yes. Okay. So when I was, okay, so what would, what would you know, what would Melissa say? Or what right. would, you know, this is, and pe my clients would tell me this. So they would say like, oh, so I said to myself, Oh, yeah, she would want me to do this because right. this is what we did. Yeah. And you create a new behavior pattern. Yes. For someone that they practice. Yes. And reinforce on their own. Right. And they like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this because it's working. Right. 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 And then you go back to your therapist and you say, oh, this is working. This is great. Or you say, you know what, that didn't really work out. Like, we right. tried this technique, and I tried it on my own, and it kind of sucks. Right. So what else you got? <laughs> and I did that with mine, because breathing techniques, when I I go very quickly from fine to full-fledged panic attack. Mm -hmm. my, mine's a very yeah. quick jump. Okay. And probably because of my trauma history. Yeah. And so breathing techniques don't really work for me until I bring myself back down, uh, pull myself down. Yes. And then I can start focusing on breathing. Okay. Then yeah. I can get myself you're centered. Like, I'm too up here. I'm too up to here. That intervention. I, I can't even fathom trying right. to focus on my breathing. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I'm too far. Ah! Right. I'm and, up here. Right. I'm up. Uh, this is the curve. Like I'm yes. at the top of the stress curve. Right. And which is what, it's one of the things I also taught teachers too about working with children. Uh, you're gonna try to do an intervention when that kid's up here. You're gonna really, you're gonna, you're gonna cut into the middle of that 45 minute tantrum with right. that technique. Right. No, you're not. Right. <laughs> your job when they're up there is to just bring them down. Yes. And you best be doing that with your body and your voice. Yes. Because if you're like, what are you doing? Right. What's that quote? You know, the, the kids. You, you're not there to. It, you know, participate in their chaos. Oh, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. And I love that because, yes, right, yes. that's not your job. So, you, you don't participate yes. in it. Right. So you're there to be like, oh my gosh, you have just gone way up here right. with your reactions and your sensations are off the wall right now. Yes. And so what you need from me as the adult who's supposed to know better and right. has better skills right. <laughs> is for me to, to be like, ooh, you're up there and it, I need to help you come down here. But see, and just as you said that, I said to myself, this is where the whole concept of trauma-informed care is so beautiful, Melissa, and that I see it's going to be, it's going to work, is that then we start to take into account, what has this teacher experienced in his or her past? Mm -hmm. And so then we start to acknowledge that, and as the teacher starts to be aware of that, and so that their gut reaction to scream and yell is because of their history. Right. And so when we can start to take all of this into yes. account, then we can start to help this teacher realize that response is not the healthiest mm -hmm. for either one of for you. For either one of you. Because it will it will right. not help the, the child scenario and it will not help you. Right. Because if you escalate then you need somebody else to calm you down. Right. And so I'm glad you bring up that point because one of the things that we we've been talking about with this with 
all these systems that we work in, different types of agencies, is what is the what is the agency, the administrative arm of the agency, people in charge, the powers that be, what right. are they doing to ensure that the adults needs are met. The yes. adults yes. need to be present and available for the hurting children or the hurting adults, depending on what situation you're in. Right. We're asking this of them. Right. But are we giving them what they need? Yes. Because Beautiful. we are only Beautiful. available yeah. to help people when we are in a state of feeling calm, supported, and empowered. Correct. And so that whole idea of are you caring for yourself? Yes, I might be doing a pretty good job of that most days of the week. But is it enough for the work that I do? Right. Am I am I getting not self care but other care for the work that I do in this job? Right. Because this job requires me to take on a whole lot more stress and trauma and pain than working at Burger King. Right. And I think they get breaks more often at Burger King. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Possibly better pay. <laughs> it's like a, a mandated smoke break time at Burger King. Right. <laughs> right. And sometimes as therapists or teachers, yes. you're like, can I just can I just go to the freaking bathroom? Right. Yeah, right. Or oh my God, I've got I'm supposed to see this client for fifty minutes, but I have ten minutes to do something like decompress, use the restroom, eat. Yeah. Or write a bunch of notes. I was gonna say write notes. <laughs> in between the next person who's gonna walk in my door and am I ready to receive them? Right. right. And so that's the challenge. Have I done what I need to do to be ready? The self care portion. And then and and, and, and yes. Has my agency, my administration, my whatever you want, people call it whatever they want right. to, I always term everybody as an agency. Yeah. Or maybe it has my the community. The powers that be, or whatever. Or maybe it's, you know, right. has my community yeah. done yeah. what they need to do to help me be good at this work right. and help me be the best I can be at this work. Because burnout in this profession, and in the teaching profession, and in firefighting, and law enforcement. Basically, any service. Every, right. right, any service profession. Burnout is high, mm -hmm. and it's real, sure. and it is keeping people up at night, and giving them stomach aches, and making them go to the doctor more often, right. and making them feel uh, critical, and negative, and irritated. Yes. And, and it's hard, and we can't look at them honestly and say, ooh, that's just your problem. Right, right. <sighs> what? Yeah, figure it out. What? <laughs> right. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> no, there's not something wrong with you. Right. You're doing the best you can in this line of work. And if your people around you aren't lifting you up and supporting you and doing the best job that you can, then there's also a problem there. Right. Absolutely. And so this is a this is a union and a marriage of how do I care for myself 
And how do other people support me in caring for which myself brings, and caring for others? Yes, which brings me back to your agency and what the Tri-State Trauma Network does is that part of the beauty of having the network is that it is that sense of community, yes. of pull, of having people around you who are lifting you mm -hmm. in the same, because you're, you're working towards the same ultimate goal. Yes, and this, this same ultimate, ultimate beautiful right. community, goal. Community uh, healing. Like, so yes. our mission is, is that we're dedicated to, uh, you know, supporting or creating the, you know, the environment where there's a, there's, there's a, um, a prevention of and recovery from right. trauma and toxic stress. Yeah. And so we're talking about the prevention piece and we're talking about the intervention piece and we're talking about, you know, things happen in life so we can't prevent everything. Okay. Um, but we can create situations for people in their lives and in the community so that there are mitigators to the effects of trauma and toxic stress. Um, so that, that there's this, this thing, that, this beautiful thing called resilience. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Yay, you've got it. Uh -huh. And also, um, hi, that's just not like something that people are born with and right. we pretend like they are, which is interesting. Right. These children were born resilient. No, 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 no. They weren't born resilient. Like we all have that capability within mm -hmm. us, but, but the, these children might be resilient because there was uh, somebody in their life that created a scenario no of, of uh, positive attachment. Of, of stability. Of, of, right, right. Of, of, of helping them with their emotions. Yes. Of, of, of uh, I like to call it regulating, then co-regulating, then self-regulating. So we had people regulating us and co-regulating with us, and then right. we got to the point of being self-regulating. I swear it was my grandma Kitty in my life. Awesome. She was so very present. Point. You and I know that she's such a stable mm -hmm. factor. Yes. I, I really do right. give her credit for my resiliency. Yeah. Awesome. And being able to and survive. And so uh, one of the biggest factors for me in terms of resilience, and, and I you know, have done some studying of this, um, especially in the early childhood realm, because the, the Devereaux um, Institute has the, the Devereaux uh, Early Childhood Assessment and Program, and then they have these uh, protective factors. So it's basically a resilience scale That's cool. um, for children. Um, and it starts with early childhood and they've done it also with the elementary and then there's also some adult resilience work okay. going on with the Devereaux um, Foundation. Um, so that's another place to kind of look up for anybody who's more interested yes. in that work. Um, and those pieces, the, we have three protective factors. Initiative, self-control or self-regulation and attachment. Okay, but what I'm here to tell you is that really the underlying one for the other two is the attachment. Right. And you heard Lisa Ferenc at the conference. Yes, I was just going to bring her name up <laughs> and how critical attachment is. So critical. You don't, if you are not positively attached to someone, right. that self-regulation won't happen because of what I just talked about. Right. It's the adult regulating the baby. It's and the toddler, and then it's the co-regulation as they move into like the preschool stages. Yes. And then we get to the point where we can be like, oh, that child's self-regulating. Right. But the, the interesting thing is, is that as a, as a society, we want them to self-regulate at three. 
right. or two. Stop right. biting those other children. Right. <laughs> really? <laughs> right. Right. Really? Um, okay. I'll just get right on that. I have all the cognitive <laughs> capabilities to do that. I'll just do that. I'll just do that. All right, so we're at an hour. We're 15 minutes over what we normally do, but we're going to keep going. We'll go for just a few more minutes. Yeah, that's fine. No, we can go as long as you'd like because this is wonderful, and I can split it up in two segments, or I may just post this whole thing as a... Okay. Yeah, I'm loving it. So I got back to the domains. Right. And I did four R's. Okay, and we've talked about the network. Have we defined trauma-informed care? Do you feel like you have? Well, I think that, um, you know, I define it around talking about the four R's, um, you know, because trauma-informed care is really the, you know, the notion that um, you're doing, you're caring for people um, in a way that, that means that you realize trauma's out there, that you recognize what it looks like, and that you respond appropriately, right. and that, you know, the other piece of that is... <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Max. I know. Um, no, it's all good. This is this is life, right? Real life. Max in, in, in the real background. life, there's a dog barking. In the <laughs> Max is saying hello. I'm just letting you know something. I know. Like, that's a message there's, for That's somebody. right. There's a squirrel attacking the house right now. <laughs> what a good little protector. That's trauma informed too. Like, right. Are we protecting people? Right. Are we making people feel safe? So that's the other thing. Like yeah. So, so safety is at the core. Safety is of at the core, and care. that's one of the things that I, I think okay. I've read. Um, you know, doing my research on trauma informed care, is that um, now even employers are being educated to look at the workspace. Yes. And is it is it a space that people feel safe? Yeah. Um, you know, yep. having mm -hmm. a, a locked door and key codes to get in, and, mm -hmm. and 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 so those types of things, and even like color schemes and yes. lighting. Oh my and gosh! There's so many things that are involved in. Um, one of my favorite domains is the domain five, which is safe and secure environments, because in traditional mental health, uh, there was always enough attention paid to that, right? Right. You go into a mental health facility, and what color were the walls? Yeah. Kind of gray. Yeah, I was going to say gray and drab. Drab. Yeah. Kind of, you know. There uh, might be one motivational right. poster on the wall. We've got the Jayco accreditation. <laughs> We've got the... Some of Maslow, right. you know, triangles. I don't know. Oh, no. I guess I was teaching office with Maslow triangle. I mean, maybe in my personal office. Like, you know, we, you know, we would create a space as a therapist. You can do what you want with your room. Oh, right. Some places. And, like, there was one place I worked where we... Uh, we were actually allowed to pick our own color, and so they didn't even, they didn't even care that, that all the rooms were different color. It was great, right? right? It was like I had the I had the, like the soft grape room, and so I've always liked purple, which right. is one of the things for color. I got for it. a tri-state trauma network, and also because you know purple is courage, and purple is that's why I just told my, my developer <laughs> for my website go with purples yes. because that's my th I mean it's my color, and, it's, but yeah. it is it's that yeah it's soft and it's soothing and but it's it's also courage and it's also strength and yes. it's also uh, royalty royalty yes a yes. yes. majestic kind of feel to it and and, yes. and so you know people I don't know it, you you really have to be. Uh, um, a king or a queen or a, a strong figure to overcome yes. some of this stuff, right? Right. Or people have to make you feel that way. Right. 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 You just support you in, in your yes. queenness. Yes. <laughs> or kingness. Yes. Um, so um, that.
I loved that, that we began to pay more attention to that as a, right. as a field um, because that research has been out there for years, like the effects of colors and the R's that you see around people. And, sure. and when you design your home space, don't tell me that the colors aren't important to you because I walked in to the house that we had built where the color choices were four shades of off-white. Right, right. Yeah, eggshell, off-white, or white. Cream, cream, white. Um, there was one that was maybe a little bit beigey. Yes. And I was like, so what is that? I was like, okay, so we're allowed to pick one color because we're getting the house built and you just want one, one color for the... You know, um, the uh, oh, the door frames, the door so frames, the, right, right. You know, whatever, and then one color um, for the walls, right. And so we get this beautiful house built, and it's great. I was like, we walk in, and yeah, we got the keys, brand new space. Okay, first weekend, paint, paint, <laughs> right, <laughs> before we even move in. <laughs> well, we had to move. We went ahead and moved in, right. But then we were like that. The first thing was paint. The first, yeah. you know, the first, you know, duty sure. on the on the to do list was where you're painting this place. Right. Because well, in sense, like you know, now I, I when I go in to um, some centers or agency, there'll be um, the um, like essential oils. Oh right, like the lavender. So yes, it's so very soothing, and those things right. that will. It's um, sense. It's it's the sights. It's uh, you know. You know the old thing about if you're selling a house, bake cookies in the oven. The first oh, right. It comes. Yes. It's the smells. Yeah. It's you know right. So is it is it you know pleasing and, and soothing? Right. Um. And because if you are going to bring somebody into a space to do hard work right. on pain and trauma, right, and difficulty, you don't want to put them in the stark white room that smells like Clorox. Right, right. Because <laughs> they're not going to get to that. Yes. And, and one of the things that I've always said too is like, if people are hungry, thirsty, too tired, uh, or too wired, you're also not going to get to a place where you can discuss right. these things. Right. And so we need to create the space that is helpful and healing for both the people coming to us and the people working for us. Yes. Right? Yes. And so... Some of our places in the learning community year-long process decided that they were going to have wellness baskets in the break room and that they were going to have um, new designed uh, spaces where, oh, we kind of use that just for storage. We're taking that stuff out of there and we're throwing in some, some like good lighting, some beanbag chairs. I just was going to say beanbag chairs. I knew you were going <laughs> to say it. it. I had a beanbag chair in my office all the time as a therapist. I love all it. All the time. Okay. But just to go like crash for five minutes. Right. right. The children love the beanbag chair. And let me tell you, yes. in between sessions, if a therapist walked by and the beanbag chair was available, therapists and my, were in the beanbag chair and sometimes I was in the beanbag chair and we yes. were all in the beanbag chair. Right. Okay. So they love it. It couldn't be big enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. Great. Like, are, you know, are you comfortable? Yeah. Are you, one of the things that I learned that was interesting too is like, even just chairs. So we have chairs right here, and these chairs are pretty comfortable, right? Right, right. But sometimes, in a waiting room, you're in the stiffest chair. Oh, sure. No arms. And so there you're like... chair. So that's the thing, though. There's a difference. Some people like no arms, and oh, some people don't. So one of the things I learned from a, from a trauma survivor way early when I was doing this job, I was about six months in, and I went to this training, and 
you know, really heard a trauma survivor like co uh, co teaching how to be trauma informed. It was great. Yeah. Um, and and she was like, I am here to tell you that what happens in the waiting room is important. And so my job now is to go in and, and oh, survey people's yeah. waiting rooms. And too bad she lives in a different state or I have right. on contract. Yeah. Um, and say, and let them know how that feels to a consumer. Uh-huh. So, did you, do you need to update your furniture so it looks like we're not sitting in the trash bin? Right. Like, please don't give us the chairs that are... 50 years old and ripped. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> right. And it's a big deal. And see, and I think instantaneously when you said that is, and make sure that you have chairs that have a wall behind them. Because yes. not out in the middle of a, because I, for a long you don't time, want I couldn't up have, you. I couldn't, I had to right. see what was behind me. Well, because that's the thing. So, like the hypervigilance that goes yes. on with, with uh, right. anxiety sure. disorders, it's like, I gotta be watching my back. Sure. Don't make me watch my back when I'm in here. Right. Because you created. Then a I'm space up here. All of a sudden, I'm I'm, I've gone. Whoop. And then I come right. to your office, and you're wondering why I'm up here. Yes. Right. Well, could you make the, the waiting room just helpful. a little right, right. <laughs> a little so, trauma informed. And then for some people, it was. Uh, she said, "You know what? You actually need a choice of chairs. You need chairs with and without arms, because there were some sense. people who don't want to feel enclosed in. Because okay. maybe that's a trigger." And I like feeling a and little safer. And then some people want the little huggy chair. Oh. Like, I want some boundaries. I want, I want, that makes me feel safe. Look at but that. But then other people, it doesn't make me feel safe because I've been in situations where I was confined. Yes. I love that. Yes. Brilliant. So it's that. And then it's, you know, is, is the furniture decent? Um, is, uh, do you have, like, you know, pretty things on the walls right. and encouraging things. And one of the things that the National Council taught our people was um, the signage is super important. Mm -hmm. If your signs all look like we're, we're, it's us and them and, and you're denying access, if it's no entry, if it's you don't oh. get to come here, if it's this restroom is not for you, okay, that creates a feeling in a sense of, I'm not worthy, okay. I'm not valued, you need to divide yourself from me as if we're not both human beings. Okay. Right? Yeah. Brilliant. So, a lot of people change their signage. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I and mean, and it's just, again, that. so simplistic, but yeah. Yes. So but how profound. does it feel? Yes. How does it feel to be on the other side? And again, right. this goes back to, as a therapist or as a person working wow. with people who experience trauma, it is your duty and yeah. your responsibility to make sure that you are on the other side. Sometimes. Yeah. All and right. That you know. I have, I have a couple okay. questions I want to yeah. ask you. So, um, one of the things is that is there are there any myths? that you want to clarify for listeners? Is there anything that, that myths or facts that you really think are, are critical? Um, you know, I think we've kind of covered that. You know, that whole idea that, that, that we're talking about 90% of people who've experienced trauma right. in their lives, right. at least one. Right. And then and then we're also yes. talking about that trauma is complex. And, it, and uh, you know, uh, most m many people have experienced more than one. 
adverse childhood experience or trauma because mm -hmm. those are those are were termed around childhood experiences I also like to acknowledge that that um, you know some experience of, as of trauma aren't aces because they didn't happen in childhood correct right there's plenty of experiences of trauma that happened after you turned 18 yes um, and so that's important to acknowledge is that you may have trauma survivors whose trauma history began at two and you may have trauma survivors whose trauma history began at 19. Correct. Yes. Or 50. Right. Right? Right. If they were sure. lucky enough to make it that far in life without but a trauma then they have... at 50, but then something happened. Yes. Um, so that's important to recognize. Um, it's important to... I'm just looking for some numbers while you're talking. Okay. It's important to recognize that, um, that this is not a... Uh, like I said, this is a journey, but this is a this is a co uh, sort of uh, endeavor um, with you and the person who's experienced the trauma. Um, if you're if you're help if you're the helper in the situation, you're not above them. Right. You're with them. Right. And they will teach you yes. things. Yeah. And they will make you better at your job, because some of the best things that I learned were from the people I treated. Sure. And and so, I felt honored that they would trust me with that information and that they were willing to help me learn so that not only could I help them better but they knew that if I knew better because of the work I was doing that would spread and you and could so help I have had clients others. who would bring me things to read and recommend books and I would be like thank you right well when I gave my speech and I was standing up there in front of, you know, how many of these people? 260 people. Yes. And, and the majority being in the, in the helping profession. In the helping profession. Mm -hmm. And that I could see when I listed those resources, when I listed that I'd read, you know, um, mm -hmm. The Body Keeps the Score. Right, right, and, right. you know, all, it, Waking the Tiger and all, the, all those yes. different, I mean, they, they were... They're like, like Ooh, I oh, haven't, I haven't done that one yet. Let me yes, write that down. Yeah, let me write that down. Right, because, because right, so you're informing them. Right, and of what the, worked for me. And those are the books that actually, you know, should have been recommended within their space already. You know, because like, you know, shouldn't somebody have already told them to read that book? Right, right. Maybe I mean, well, you know, whatever. The people have different things, and some people aren't being supervised anymore. And those books came out after they had a clinical right. supervisor, so you don't always know. Right. But and then you and it's hard because it, within this field. The, the, the amount of information, it's like exploding right now. Yes. I can't keep up. Well, I can't keep I up. Can't Especially, I would think, with all this, the brain studies yes. and all that they're figuring out right. that, which to me, let me just say, has brought me so much hope yes. to know that I wasn't, like like Lisa Friends had said, broken. And I thought, like, oh, these traumas happened to me, and I'm broken forever. That is so like, I'm just learning to cope, and right. I'm learning just to kind of get through it. That is so important. It is so important. Because people feel, they do, they feel broken. They feel like they're yes. not going to get better. They feel like they're damaged goods. You know right. how many times I heard that. Oh, sure. And, like, these um, these rots, these neuron pathways were just, like, it was in my brain, and it's just going to be like that. Mm -hmm. And now to realize, no, with brain right. plasticity and oh, I know. all of that, that and you can change. Yes. Right, the neuron firings, right. and, and here's the, so one cool. of the best things that you know, one, of the, one of my favorite questions when I had developed a training around uh, the early childhood trauma and how it affects the brain um, that I was giving when I was a child focus, 
in one of my favorite questions when I would show the uh, the two brains side by side, and Lisa may have shown this one too because I see it in a lot of trainings, of like the, the neglected child yes. with its way, obviously way smaller brain, and the normally kind of right. not de neglected, normally developing or whatever child, and the brains were giantly different. Yeah. And it was, and that, that slide's done for a reason to make it real obvious that trauma affects development in a way because the experiences um, or lack thereof when children are say neglected um, you know experiences grow the brain right and so you will actually have a smaller brain right it's not just like oh your brain's so tiny because you're not smart no you have a smaller brain right because <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't developed developing Right. That when at the time when you had billions of neurons right there right. in that zero to three uh, age range when you like they give you everything you need yeah. is like the supplies to grow the brain your brain gives you your body gives you everything yeah. you need and, and then the job of the adults in your life is actually to make sure that those neurons are connecting and the dendrites are meeting up with each other and that right. you know things are flowing through the synapses so that the brain is growing right okay right. Um, and so one of my favorite questions was, um, so are you, like, does that mean that they will keep that tiny brain forever? Does that mean that there's, basically the question was, does that mean there's no hope there? Right. And that these children are just nev never going to be as developed or right. as, as children who haven't had this experience. And I was like, oh, no, no, please, please don't, please don't go in Read that, it that way. Right. I'm showing you this because you need to understand how trauma affects the, the, the brain of the developing child. Right. Um, so that you understand the behaviors that you're seeing and the learning problems that you're seeing right. um, and the social emotional problems that you're seeing. But no, no way. Because we have an opportunity every single day of our lives until the day we die to create connections yes. and behavior patterns right. and make a new path. And that's the beauty. That's what that I, that's the, the, beauty, the hope the of all of the yes. like, And then you're like, yes, that's it. That is it. And it's so cool. I it just is. so cool. Yeah. So anyway, I pulled these numbers up when I was clicking okay. away just a second ago because you had talked about it. And it does say this. I got this from the Post Traumatic Stress Disorder Alliance. 70%. 70% of adults have experienced a, a traumatic event at yep. least once in their lives. Yep. Up to 20% go on to develop mm -hmm. because this was in regards to PTSD and yep. what I was talking about. Um, so, yeah, 13 million people will have PTSD in at any time yeah. in America. In America. Yeah, that's good to understand because it's right. not the same in other cultures, but we, we won't get into that. And, and more women um, will are twice as likely as men to develop PTSD, which I find fascinating. Um, especially because the, this uh, diagnosis came out of uh, primarily the men coming back from the Vietnam War. Right. And that's how we decided that this was a syndrome. Right. And th um, but then, you know, with the sexual abuse, um, you know, and how many women, right. you know, the whole me, hashtag me too. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. Has certainly brought that to yes. light of how many yes. women have experienced right. it. So. Right. And, and I think, yeah, and I think in terms of even like depression, I think that's higher for women. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't, you might not have the latest stats, but um, yes, definitely some gender differences and some um, gender, you know, well, any experiences anyway that the person's made up, whether it's their gender, their. Right. 
you know, culture or sexual orientation, whatever it might be, like all those things are going to factor in to what it presents like, but also they are factors in how to heal. Right. And so we have to always remember that people have built strengths um, and survival skills around this trauma. Sure. And I'm, sure. I, I, I always joke that, you know, you don't want me with you on a desert island unless you just need somebody to validate you. <laughs> See, but that would be awesome for me. Because then I'd be like, thanks, Alyssa. Well, I'll validate you. And then you go, you go get, catch the fish. All right. Oh, okay. So that we don't starve to death. <laughs> if you just cheer me on. Yay, I built that hut. Yay. Some of the things that people, like, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you were able to do that? Right, right. This is how you got through that horrific experience that went on for X number of years. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. You have got something going on with your brain and body that is awesome. Right. And I am just like glad to know about it and to know you because that is amazing. And my brain and body didn't have to do that, and I don't even know if it could, but you're showing me that yours did, right. you could. Right. And this stuff And how empowering you, yes. for that person that you're saying that to. Well, and that's I mean, what I wanted them to know. Yeah. Because they what they had this idea of damaged goods, and whether it was from the... Oh, that's where I was for so long. Their, the abuser yeah. in their head, or the abusers right. in their head, or the... The, the, the horrible spin of because yes. then you get into that space of depression where those things just build on themselves and, and the shame and of guilt anxiety and, and all and I mean all of that like, piles on oh, right awful and it's my fault and it's this and it's that yeah I oh. used to think did I have a tattoo on my forehead I know, and like, then like, the one trauma survivor that I was telling you about before that, that did the thing around the environment she's like I thought I had a target on my back yeah and I, so you're talking about a target on your forehead that tattoo right forehead. like like pick me for the yes. trauma like no. why did Ooh. this keep happening right right, right. and right. so and people would exp exp express that to me and and everything and I'd be like you know I can't I, I can't tell you the full answer to that right. um I can only tell you some things that I you know I've read about or I, I think may be true but um uh but what I am here to tell you is that, dang, gone, you survived that pretty damn well. You're awesome. All right, I have one last question. And okay. Look at that. And then we'll be good. We'll be good. So, and this is just a fun, way crazy off topic. If you okay. could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, who could help you with this mission of yours. Oh, the Dalai Lama. Oh, I love it. The Dalai Lama. Like, no, right away. And, uh, yeah, because the... the just so wise, so wise, and so just, I, yeah, no, I just, I would love to be And this. why? Because of what we were talking about down in the kitchen earlier, before we started recording, compassion. 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 Yes. And like, that, he, he epitomizes he compassion for me. And speaking to people through the heart, and yes. then, like, and every, just like, that, con yeah, that soul yes. connection. Oh, yeah. Connecting on that yeah. level. Yes. Yeah, and so one of the reasons, I mean, and that would have been in my head probably anyway, but but um, Mary Vicario, who's with Finding Home Consulting, and you heard her do the opening speech for Lisa Ferencz, sure. did you oh, not? Yes, yes, yes. And so she's doing our yeah. Trauma Responsive Care Certification Series, and by the way, she does hang the moon in terms of trauma care. Um, so we got each other gifts for Christmas, and, and, and she got me the Book of Joy, written by the Dalai Lama. And Nelson Mandela. Wow. 
and I'm treasuring that and I haven't even read it but because it's in my kitchen yeah I feel like it's a presence right like it's sense? energy yes. yes I'm sure it radiates energy I so believe that yeah 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 that's super cool yeah I didn't even know it was out there now I have to go get it yeah very cool yeah and uh and, and she was so nice because she put a little in inscription in the front and said thank you for bringing joy to so many people and I was like oh my gosh like that's I super cool I, I, that's great like if you think that I do that then then I then my mission is right. working right well thank you because you do um, I think your mission is wonderful I think you're wonderful I think um, I think you're wonderful too. Thanks. Everything you do for, well, it for me as a friend is beautiful, but for, for the world, uh, the trauma-informed care world, and, and just all that you're doing is just, I mean, I, I'm your biggest fan and I applaud you because I know firsthand what it's like to be a trauma yeah. warrior. You do. Um, you're quite the warrior. Thanks. You, you're right. The, the one of the, you're one of those people. I'm like, and you survived. <laughs> right. And you're, you're standing here like <laughs> laughing and smiling and like making good things happen in the world. Right. <laughs> right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, keep it up because I think you're a rock star. Thank so you. thanks you for too, joining Mr. us. Mrs. Rock. All right, that's right, Mrs. Rock. <laughs> we were talking about names that we've gotten from kids over the years. I said one of mine was Mrs. Broccoli. Uh, Mrs. Well Rocket. Um, Mrs. Rock. And Mrs. Rock. I was like, that. I loved Mrs. Rock. Was like, what was yours? And my favorite one was, was Mrs. Applecheck. Applecheck. <laughs> Madam Chick. Madam Chick. And, and Mrs. Applecheck. And, and, and one time somebody accidentally called me Melissa Chick. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Melissa Chick. So thank you, thank you for having me. This Absolutely, great. yeah, it was really cool, and this is perfect because look at that word. So now we have like two podcasts. We do worth have two podcasts worth. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, be gentle with yourselves, and we will see you next week. <laughs>